0: I've stopped listening to a number of marketing podcasts because after I listen to them, I'm like, oh, my God, I feel so bad about all these things I should be doing, but I'm not. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to stop listening because I'm probably not going to change my behavior. I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. And it's been okay so far. It's worked so far. So I'm sure I could get bigger, faster if I did all these tips and tricks that these experts are telling me, but
1: I'm going to kill myself and... I don't want to. Welcome to the Geopats Podcast, an audio experience to scratch your cultural curiosity itch with many different expat themed shows. My name is Stephanie, and I am happy to bring you a virtual expats show in this episode. Actually, all month, we're going to have only virtual expats show. Many of you have heard of Podcast Brunch Club, especially if you've listened to other episodes of the Geopats Podcast, because I talk about them a lot, but you may not know much about the founder, Adela. She also co-hosts the Podcast Brunch Club podcast. In this episode, we're going to fix some of the gaps that you have in your Adela knowledge through her expat experiences, of course. For those of you that don't know about Podcast Brunch Club yet, it is, as Adela often says, like book club, but for podcasts. Once a month, us podcast fans listen to the same podcasts that are curated by a different chapter each time, and we talk about them. We also inevitably share what else we've been listening to. If you do not have a chapter near you, do not fret. You can either start one, or you can join the virtual chapter and participate online. More on Adela's virtual experience in just a minute, but first I want to give you some podcasting information. A special thanks goes out to Damon Castillo, the music you hear in the background in this podcast episode as in many of our episodes is from his mess of me album this particular song that we'll be playing all month of september is sometime guy i'm going to switch out the songs every month you can go find out more information and hear more of damon's music at damoncastillo.com the Geopaths podcast newsletter number six is out now go to Fuccio.com. And you can sign up there. If listening to podcasts makes you think about making your own, I can help. I want to help. I have a few different ways I'd like to do that. First of all, you can get a free month of podcast hosting from Podbean with this code podbean.com forward slash virtual expats. Podbean is the host that I use on the Geopets podcast and they are Phenomenal! I could go on and on, but basically, try out the month and you'll see what I mean. If you're an expat, I do a beginning expat online workshop. It's just two hours, and it's basically a giant resource dump of many of the things that I found very helpful, both in getting started with a simple setup, also a knowing what other projects I can read, listen to and watch to find out what else I can do to improve my podcast slash your podcast one step at a time. September 25th and 27th are the two days in September that I'm doing this workshop and they're at different times of the day. So go to stepfuccio.com for more information to sign and to sign up and also to see the list of the other expat podcasters that you'll be joining in this lovely community of expat lens podcasting. Again, stepfuccio.com, stphfuccio If you don't want to record your voice but need a voice, either you or your company, I'm selling mine. If you or anyone you know needs a voiceover talent, you can request me at voices.com forward slash actors forward slash Steph Fuccio. If you forget any of this information, it is in the show notes. It's also at geopets.podbean.com. What I'm not charging for in these podcast episodes are the promo spots or announcement spots that are about every 20 minutes. I reserve those for content creators and people that have announcements that are content connected to what we're talking about in these episodes. Again, these are free to content creators and people that have announcements. So if you are one of those people, reach out to me. So let's get back to Adela. Adela is from Chicago, and she actually is back living there now. But there was a time period where she traveled and lived in many different places in the world, like Cambodia, South Africa, Malawi, Egypt, Guatemala, Costa Rica. And she lived for about a year in Addis Ababa, in Ethiopia, which I'm surely pronouncing wrong, but I think you know where I mean, right? Oh, I hope so. <laughs> As we do, we chatted with Adela about her online activities before, during, and after all of this movement abroad. There's some pretty interesting trends in how she kept in touch with her home country friends and the friends that she met and connected to while she was traveling or living overseas, and how this virtual behavior shapes what she does with the huge, podcast brunch club community of 65 chapters globally 65 and growing by the way because i think they just opened another one in nigeria like one or two weeks ago very very recently so if you have any comments or questions about this episode please reach out to me steph fuccio s-t-p-h-f-u-c-c-i-o is my handle literally everywhere online it's also my gmail address and you can also go to stephfuccio.com i love hearing from you guys but right now we need to hear from adela so let's get to it thank you so much adela for joining us on virtual expats podcast no problem thanks for having me i am so excited to have you here today it is ridiculous for the listeners adela is the creator of the podcast Brunch club which is one of the things that has absolutely transformed changed and inspired my own podcasting life and i'm sure other people's as well so yay thanks (laughs) thank you (laughs) let's start with where you are where are you now geographically I am currently in
0: Chicago. Been here for 10 years. I'm from Chicago. So, I'm back in Chicago,
1: I should say. Ah, okay. But for a while. Okay. Yeah. And including different locations in the US, can you give a quick summary of where you have been in the world? So, I
0: as I said, I was born and raised in the Chicago area, so a suburb of Chicago. Spent college years in Champaign, Illinois, um going to University of Illinois. And then I did a short stint for a job right after I graduated in Jefferson City, Missouri, which is like the center of Missouri. It's actually the capital city of Missouri for about, I think it was nine to 12 months, somewhere around there on a project there. And then the company I was working for, I ended up transferring to their headquarters for what I thought was only going to be six to 12 months to train on a new system. And then they were supposed to post me on one of their international projects. And so their headquarters were in Fairfax, Virginia, which is just outside of DC. And so I really only thought I was going to be there for six to 12 months, but I ended up there for 11 years or 10 years. Mm. Oh, that's a little yeah. different. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's funny how life happens. It was not intentional and it was sort of hard to manage when it happened. We can talk about that if, if you want. But, um, yeah, I was there for 10 years and then during that time got my, master's degree in international education and then transferred into a job that was doing international development work and worked for a company that had me post it all I mean I was doing short stints like two to three weeks in different places that we had projects so I went to South Africa, Malawi, uh, Egypt, Guatemala, all over and then I ended up getting a year-long post in Ethiopia. And so that was my true expat experience, was in Ethiopia. That was 2008, 2009.
1: Where in Ethiopia were you? Addis Ababa. Oh, you were? Okay. Yeah, Addis. Addis a- Addis. Addis. Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah. I'm sure I always say that wrong. How is it actually Ababa. said? Okay. I
0: call it Addis Ababa, but I think it's Addis oh, Either. Ababa. Either way, it's like, a tongue it's just, twister. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's hard. Yeah. I just call it oddest.
1: Excuse me. When you were going to different locations for shorter stretches of time, were you there long enough? Were you there like days, weeks, months, or did it vary per location? Weeks. Weeks. Weeks.
0: Yeah. So I would typically go on an assignment for like a week or two Mm -hmm. just to work. Mm -hmm. But then I would always, 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 I can't think of a single time that I didn't do this, take a week of vacation after that to travel just why not take
1: advantage exactly. of exactly <laughs> that so really makes sense yeah yeah so I did that a lot how many of those shorter location shorter term oh, places oh were
0: gosh there? um let me try to think so I went to Cambodia three times uh, mm-hmm. I went to South Africa I went to Malawi I went to Egypt okay. I went to Guatemala I'm sure I'm missing places but
1: I'm glad you're pausing because I can't that <laughs> fast. <laughs> um, where else? Are okay, if other yeah. ones come up as we're talking about it, we can we can throw them into the mix. But I think if you were there at least a, a week at a time, if not two weeks at a time, I think that might actually give us some insight into the internet in those places. Maybe, yeah. maybe yeah. not. But we'll, we'll see what happens. So let's go back before you were geographically moving around. Oh, sorry, 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 sorry. So you were in Ethiopia from 2008 to 2009, and then did you come back to Chicago? So it's interesting.
0: So during that time, so like I said, being in D.C. was not a plan. It was like Mm -hmm. sort of everything, nothing worked out the way I thought it was going to work out, and I sort of Mm -hmm. found myself in D.C. with no end in sight. And so I sort of made the best of it, and... Whatever, ten, ten years later was still kind of like, what? Why am I here? I don't really like it.
1: And question is, Fairfax, Virginia, right next to DC? Yeah, it's, okay, yeah, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah,
0: it's a suburb. Yeah, it's just Northern Virginia. So DC is Northern Virginia. I mean, it's surrounded by Northern Virginia and part of Maryland. So, gotcha. Because um, DC itself is tiny. Yeah, and I just never intended to be there I just thought Mm -hmm. I was going for six months to a year and then the contract I was supposed to be on fell through but I already had a lease and I already had like uh, you know whatever so I sort of made things work with the company that I was working for got a job in headquarters and then Mm -hmm. was like okay so I guess I live in Fairfax Virginia
1: (laughs) that (laughs) was Better find work now since I'm here yeah yeah
0: and yeah and you know, I don't know, I'm sure your listeners have experienced what I call the quarter life crisis. And I was in DC when I was experiencing the quarter life Mm -hmm. crisis. And this is going to date me, but I was also in DC when September 11th happened. Oh, wow. Yeah. And that was when I had a job that was not internationally focused at all. And I, you know, actually, the reason that I went to DC to begin with was because the promise was that they were going to bring me to D.C. for six months to a year, train me on a system, and then post me in Israel, which is where I really wanted to go for Ooh, three yeah. years. Mm-hmm. Um, so, because my father is Israeli, I have a lot of history in, in in Israel. I studied abroad there. I have family there. And I just wanted to spend more time there on somebody else's dime. So as I was moving to D.C. to train on this system that they, I was supposed to, go to D- eventually go to Israel for, the contract right. with the Israeli company fell through. So I really had intentions from the very beginning of my career to yeah. kind of travel and do all that. And then right. that just kind of blew up in my face. And I was like in this sort of internal role in Fairfax, Virginia with no travel and kind of wondering what the hell happened. Right. And right. yeah. And then September 11th happened Oh my gosh. right around the time I was kind of like, what, how is this what I'm going to be doing for the rest of my life. I cannot mm-hmm. imagine the next like 40, 50 <laughs> years of my life just like doing this. So I've got to figure it out. Yeah. And then I just oh sort of that's when it came to me that I should probably get a master's degree wasn't like, first on my list of things to do, but got a master's degree in international education. That's how I transitioned into work in the international field. So we were doing like education yeah. projects in developing countries. So I was going to a right. lot of places that I would never have probably gone otherwise. Sure. Which is amazing. Wow. That's
1: amazing. Oh my gosh. I had no idea about a large part of this backstory. Yeah. <laughs> Your backstory. That's yeah. amazing. So wait, you did mention briefly, I'm, I'm geographically listening right now. You mentioned briefly that you did a study abroad in Israel. Mm-hmm. When did that, when did that happen?
0: That was 90, God, 97.
1: So I'm old. So, oh gosh, yeah, we, we, if if we uh, played that game, I would win. But um, <laughs> 97, so is that, like geographically speaking, is that before Champaign or is that before Jefferson City? Where is that? That the, was,
0: okay, round? so, well, that was when I was in college. So that was right. before all of it. It was, oh, okay. so if you're talking about my timeline, I guess yeah. I was in sort of Chicago, Champaign, then Israel, then back to Champaign, because I did just six months in Israel while I was studying For my, in my, um, for my bachelor's degree. Gotcha, gotcha. Then I went to Jeff City. Then I went to DC. Then Mm. I went all over to these developing countries. And then ended up in Ethiopia for a year. And then this whole thing started because you asked me like what happened after Ethiopia and I actually never (laughs) answered your question. So I will do that now. I, (laughs) I came back to DC with the intention of going back Mm -hmm. to Chicago. But I wasn't, I am not one of those people who can quit my job without having a job to go to. And I hadn't, I started looking for a job in Chicago when I was in Ethiopia, but didn't find one. And I knew I had this job to go back to in DC. So I just did that and continued looking for a job. And I think Mm -hmm. I got back to DC in like November of 2009 and by february of 2010 i moved to chicago so it was very quickly okay i found a job here and then moved and that's and then that's where my sort of my travel stopped actually because i Mm. took a job that wasn't gonna be super travel oriented
1: right right but well, you're still traveling on vacations. Oh, I mean, always. we met up in Rome. Yeah, we did. <laughs> a few minutes ago, which we was did. awesome. Yeah,
0: that was <laughs> awesome. And and I mean, I'm not um, complaining at all. I made a very conscious choice to yeah. kind of take myself out of that game. Being an expat was great, but I don't know. It just wasn't for me. And also in the international development sector, it was mm-hmm. particularly difficult and not yeah. difficult in the way a lot of people think it's difficult. In that, like you're working with populations that are poor, which... It is difficult to do that, but at least you feel um, like you're moving the needle a little bit. Uh, The part that I found really difficult was just the whole international development field and industry, like the Mm quote-unquote industry, and all of the kind of back stuff that happens in foreign aid and international development with, like, the money, and it's all about money, and... (sighs) Yeah. everybody would pat me on the back saying oh my god Adela, you're such a good person you're helping all the poor people in Ethiopia and I was like really I'm making a lot of money yeah. and if I stay for a very like 365 days or whatever then it's all tax-free and right. I get post-differential pay which is 25 percent on top of my pay and if I get posted <laughs> to a country that has like any sort of dangerous situation then you get danger pay on top of that i know people who have
1: oh my gosh bought
0: houses with the money that they just saved from doing that kind of work (laughs) and fair enough i just it was just i don't know it just felt weird
1: i i hear you i haven't done um anything like that. But the closest I have seen, not experienced, is when we lived in Hanoi, Vietnam. That was my first real rubbing elbows with folks that did NGO stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were there about three and a half years. So we saw a lot of folks come in and out of Hanoi mm-hmm. in that world. And am watching... Not, is it NGO? Yeah. yeah. NGO's is non-profit, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, yeah. I don't
0: know for the I'm most part, it anyway. it's non-governmental. Yeah.
1: Organizations, right, right. so, so yeah, in the nonprofit sector, a lot of them trying to, again, help make a difference, uh, lay down some infrastructure, whether it be socially or job wise, or whatever sector they were focused on. But it was so disheartening to watch them come in very optimistic, very wanting to help and then watch them go through this trajectory of realizing All of their bureaucracy and the the greed and the meetings where money was literally like being shoved across the table Mm -hmm. for like certain things to happen or not happen, Mm -hmm. and watching their hopes just get crashed and watching them leave before their contract was over. Like, we just kept seeing that again and again and again and again. And it was just like, whoa, okay, being the greedy English teacher doesn't feel so bad right now because I kind of like knew I was coming in to make money. And, you know, I mean, you change lives if if you do, but it's not. For me, I went overseas selfishly because I wanted to be around different cultures, different people. I wanted to experience things. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it was just amazing to watch people come in and go through this kind of uh, idealist to realistic uh, trajectory. And it was was so sad to watch Mm -hmm. it happen over and over and over and over again.
0: Yeah. And I think that's definitely part of what some people experience. I think some other people might experience. I've seen the opposite, not the opposite, but where maybe somebody comes in, and they're all idealistic. But Mm -hmm. what ends up happening is that as an expat in a country like Ethiopia, and especially working in that field, you just get privileges that people there don't get. And it doesn't, for me, didn't feel great. And I'm sure for a lot of people, it didn't feel great, but mm-hmm. slowly they got used to it as they stayed yeah. longer and longer and longer, and like slowly, without consciously doing it, they i I could see people kind of like becoming entitled. they felt like mm-hmm. this was the, they deserved every every bit of respect and every bit of you know preferential treatment that they got, yeah. and then yeah. and then it makes it really hard to come home. To be honest, yeah. because you're just a regular old person here and <laughs> you're not going to get that kind of treatment. And exactly. It's, yeah. It's, yeah, it was weird to see it. And it was never something I really wanted. I was always fine to kind of do the short stints and go mm-hmm. drop in, do my thing while other people, you know, were doing the sort of hard work of being there and pushing through a project. And some of our projects were amazing. I mean, they did amazing, amazing sure. work. Yeah, it's just the uh, the the lifestyle that accompanies it didn't feel yeah. honest or true. Yeah, it was like living in a bubble that I didn't quite deserve. I mean, I had a great life when I lived there. People, you know, right. like, and then on top of it, you get all the you know praise of people back home being like, "Oh, you're doing such great work, and you're such a right. good person." And I was like, uh. oh, "If you only knew," <laughs> you know, it's not. People aren't selfless all the time. People do it for selfish reasons. And I yeah. mean, that's okay, too. I think it's okay yeah. to think about yourself. But it's just oh, yeah. the weirdness it's, of getting praise for it. Where I was like... The, mm.
1: Yeah, the, the extreme in the, in the attention and the praise and the money is very strange. The local salary versus expat salary has always been very weird for me, mm-hmm. especially when people were doing a similar job. Mm-hmm. I'm like, why? That makes no sense. Because I'm a native English. Like for me, it's an it's in education in English uh, language teaching. And I'm like, because I'm a native speaker. But you assume that just because I grew up with it, I'm skilled at it and skilled at teaching it, which, is, which are two very big mistakes to make mm-hmm. thinking wise. Mm-hmm. And, and some of the teachers that came into it as their second and third language were way better at teaching it to the locals because they could bring in the comparisons between the languages, but right. there they were making barely sustainable mm-hmm. salary and we were making a lot more. And it yeah. was just like, what? Yeah. What is, is going this? on here? Yeah. yeah I and I think that's where the internet kind of flattened some of that out is some of those online tutoring sites kind of start valuing people for their skills more than where are you from and how little can I pay you? Mm. I think maybe that's my optimistic side coming through. So we better get online having said that. (laughs) So when do you at any point in your life, not just in your overseas, but in any place, when do you remember the internet becoming an important part of your day? I mean,
0: I traveled a lot even before I started working in international development. And I Mm -hmm. remember being in Costa Rica at one point for vacation and Mm -hmm. just like, seeking out the internet cafes at every place that I went to <laughs> this was obviously before <laughs> and I remember also and that was probably god I don't know 2000 Well oh, that's it really yeah maybe yeah god I don't know I have to go back and look at my history of like where I went and when I went there That's
1: fine. what were you doing at the cafes was it just like email?
0: Email. Totally email. Things. Okay. Yeah. I Something feel like we were still months. using travel books to travel around Costa Rica. Yes. We were still yeah. using um, yeah. Let's Go and and uh, I have a couple re- like recollections very specifically about Let's Go in Costa Rica. Mm-hmm. But I do remember seeking out the internet cafes for email and... things like that. I think the game changer was when I got a BlackBerry for work and was traveling to countries where it was harder to get internet. And that was right. right, right. Yeah, huge.
1: When you were traveling and in the internet cafes, were you using uh, Lonely Planets? What was it called? Thorn Tree? Like their forums? Oh, no. Mm -mm. I just used their
0: books. Did you? I haven't?
1: I did. I did. Yeah. Because in some places, I couldn't find their books or their books were really expensive, which I thought was counterproductive if I was in a cheap country. Uh, but so I would go on the the forums. And also it was it was a kind of a meetup arrangement mm. kind of place, too. Like you could meet groups of people who hmm. were just kind of wandering through. And I actually found some jobs in there, too, oh. I think.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah. for me, I was traveling for like three weeks at a time. I wasn't doing yeah. longer stints. Uh, so I would go to the yeah. library, get let's go for three weeks and then come back and give it back you know I wasn't even buying yeah I wasn't even buying the books yeah
1: that makes sense that makes sense yeah Mm -hmm. okay so so about 2000 so you're pretty early adapter then so what when you were at home about that time period what were you doing online what were like the main things that you liked to do online it was all email for me it was
0: just keeping in touch with friends from college and from work and from I went and traveled yeah. to, and yeah, it was all email.
1: No, uh, let's see, there weren't really videos and things, I don't think, really out there. But there any websites or news sites or mag- like online magazines or any...
0: Actually, now that I think about it, when I went to Israel in 1997, my mm-hmm. mom is pretty early adopter, too, and she, mm-hmm. my brother, who was three years younger than me, met me over the summer to travel around Europe together, so I was what 20, 20 and he was 19, 18 19 actually no he was 17 and my mom i can't believe it still because there was no phones or you know cell phones and my mom just like sent her 17 year old i mean i had been traveling for a lot for a while so i think she was like oh she knows what she's doing but my brother really hadn't traveled a lot and she just gave she was like just meet her in london here's a ticket go have fun um <laughs> But she actually had done a ton of research online Mm -hmm. and went to, she just, she found Rick Steves back then. Mm -hmm. I don't think he was as well-known as he is now. And she found all these really cool places for us to go. So one of the places we went in 1997 was Cinque Terre in Italy, which is before it got huge. So, yeah. So, I mean, I think probably because my mom was, all over the internet my mom's like amazing on the on the internet even now she's 78 79 and she's like all <laughs> over the internet and That's she's like wonderful. sending me all these links and doing all this research <laughs> so I, I don't know she's she's probably why I'm much more adept at especially early on I was probably more right. online than Than most other people. Mm -hmm.
1: Wow, I can't believe you were in Cinque Terre then. I was in, I was working at a hostel in Rome, very accidentally in two thousand two, and people were like talking about it then, and everybody's like, "Where's that? What's that?" And it was hard to find information. So I can only imagine how, quote unquote, untouched it was in ninety (laughs) seven. Yeah, it was amazing. So Adela went to Cinque Terre before it was big, before everybody went there. And I'm very jealous cuz I still haven't been there. <laughs> but do you know what else is going to blow up huge in the future that you could be a part of now? That is the Odd Dad podcast. Adam Higgins is the uh, is the host and he is also one of the inspirations for me putting promo spots and announcements in my own podcast. Thank you, Adam. So Adam is wonderful on a number of different levels, but I don't need to tell you. I need to have you hear his voice. So let's do this.
2: Hello, I am Adam Higgins from the Odd Data Podcast, where normal is not my specialty. What does that mean? Well, I I just can't do one thing, now can I? Every week-ish, I give you a sampling of whatever is going on in my head, whether it's personal stories, rants, ramblings, or just spending a day to nerd out a bit. Plus, I make fun of some weird news stories, and I tell you about a podcast that I think you should check out, because sharing is caring, right? So if any of that sounds up your alley... Subscribe to Odd Dad Out on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, or your podcast app of choice and check out all the past episodes, merch and all the other fun goodies at odddadoutpodcast.com.
1: So Adam is freaking Superman. He is the host of Odd Dad Out Podcast. He has 4 children. And he edits podcasts on the side. I don't know how he has time on the side, but he does all of this stuff. And he says, normal is not his specialty. Yeah, you know why normal's not your specialty, Adam? Because fantastic is your specialty. Seriously, I am childless by choice. And I love listening to Adam talk about his kids and them going to school and different things they do, different things... Like his reaction to things. The very first episode that I heard was him talking about him being a, an uncommon parent at a parent's meeting. And I died laughing. Anybody who says that they are not the norm and that they felt that like they stick out. Hello. That's my people. That is definitely something I can relate to. And ever since then, I've been listening to his podcast. I think you'll just find Adam one of those hosts who's just funny and likable and his laugh his laugh is enough to change your day let's get back to another person who can change your day in so many ways adela from podcast brunch club so let's fast forward to before you left virginia slash dc <laughs> mm-hmm. can you believe i grew up in the east coast and i never made it to washington dc oh really that's why I'm like, I'm hesitant to ask this question because I should know more about the East Coast. But I I think I was always kind of a West Coaster at heart, even though I did, what, yeah. didn't grow up there. But, so before you left um, the East Coast to go to Ethiopia, what were you doing online at that point? What were your main things that made you happy online?
0: You know, I very distinctively remembered only... And I don't know why I think this is true because I feel like if I went back to my Facebook, I would realize it's not true. But I feel like I went onto Facebook when I was in Ethiopia. Mm-hmm. That was what prompted me to get onto
1: Facebook. Oh, in 2008? Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: And cause I had not been on it before and I swear to God, I feel like I should go back and look because I think that's not true maybe it was some other trip that i was like okay maybe i should because i was going away for a long time and i think i kind of resisted it for a while i was mm-hmm. like this is weird like i don't i don't know i felt like it was weird yeah. and just like tmi mm-hmm. too much information and i was kind of resistant but then once i made the decision to go to ethiopia i was like okay this is going to be the best way to keep in touch with people so i don't even remember so i feel like th- to answer your question I wasn't even using Facebook then. But again, I feel like that can't possibly be true. <laughs> I feel like it's so late. Um, so I have to go
1: back and fact check myself. Um, I wasn't
0: doing any sort of posting or creating then. I was, But consumption
1: wise, were you like reading, watching, like doing, are there any favorite websites or? I know it's kind of going back quite a bit. Bit. Yeah, you know, God, you're asking I a decade in internet memory. time is like a lifetime. <laughs> I
0: know, and plus, if you you know, a decade for Adela is probably <laughs> like two decades for most people because I have the worst me- memory. It's almost comical. I'm trying to think if I can remember specific instances of using any particular websites. Sure. And I know I was online. I mean, sure, I I was probably using chat a lot with like for friends like i -I but that was probably earlier than that um and like
1: specific websites god i cannot remember no that's fine no general tasks is fine too i I know it's kind of digging into digging into the best so chat room were you meeting new people in chat rooms or just talking to people you already knew yeah i
0: wasn't yeah i was just talking to people i knew already It was a good way to keep in touch. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, not that this is super internet y, but I remember being really excited when I was coming back from Ethiopia to, I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to get an iPhone. (laughs) And like, that was like the thing I was sort of most looking forward to because I had this dream that I was going to come back to the States, get an iPhone, Mm -hmm. and then quit my job. I was going to find a job that i could go to but i was going to have like weeks and weeks in between jobs and mm-hmm. have time to like do a road trip around the united states mm-hmm. never happened and i was like yeah. oh my god the maps feature like i just wanted the iphone for the maps that was the <laughs> only reason
1: i love oh, maps can you see my yeah. maps in the background here? oh yeah
0: i do remember <laughs> using maps. mapquest yeah mapquest was a big one that we used remind me what that ch- was again it was just to get internet direction direction oh okay just like but you'd have to then print it out and take it in your car.
1: Oh, yes. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. I remember this now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. No, I'm trying to think. I, I'm, I'm glad that you brought up an iPhone because, and I don't, as a non-Apple person, it's rare that I say that, but um, <laughs> because I was just thinking, uh, oh, I should ask her about like when she got her first smartphone. So I was thinking already of moving it to a device because for a lot of people, when you change devices, what you do online changes.
0: Mm. Yeah. I mean it that was a game changer for me because yeah. I felt like I could I could travel a little bit more freely. Yeah. You know, it just you're not as worried about being disconnected. Mm-hmm. You're you've got your maps right there. Yeah. yeah, there was something super It's so funny if you talk about it that way cuz like I, I saw it as such a like a liberating experience, but now it's like I'm so addicted to it that if I don't have it, yeah. like I, I'm actually tethered by it. Right. So it's it's liberating but also kind of imprisoning at the same time. Like <laughs> yeah. I feel a little oh, imprisoned I know. by my I know. device. This
1: comes up in literally every interview slash conversation I have about the internet. Yeah. yeah. And I still like I'm I'm yeah, I don't know if I have a problem yet or not, but I mm. definitely check everything often. Uh, although I do, I have gotten in the habit thanks to a short battery life, uh, of shutting my (laughs) phone off a lot when I'm like, or I, or I just want to concentrate. Like I've, I've gotten better at turning off notifications, shutting it off, putting it away. But if it's on and near me, I'm on it. Yeah. I just, yeah. yeah.
0: You know, what's funny is we, I don't know if you planned on asking me about internet in Ethiopia. Mm. Oh yeah, we're getting there. Yeah. So there was very frequent outages mm-hmm. of of electricity mm-hmm. it's oddly a drought-ridden country but operator it operates by hydroelectric power what so <laughs> yeah they have hydroelectric power so I need a
1: minute what that's okay. yeah anyway please continue <laughs> yeah i know
0: and i would you know charge my computer and charge my phone and run it until it died. And then it was over. Mm -hmm. Then that's it. That's all you can do. So every day, it would die at some point, if I was lucky in the afternoon. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And then you're kind of like, screwed, you just had to (laughs) figure it out. You know, and in some ways, it was actually a beautiful, beautiful thing. Like, I would almost welcome that, no, I'm sure I could impose that on myself. But you could. Know I'm not going to I that. do
1: carry around a battery pack. Now I resisted mm-hmm. for years, but uh, my phone is now two and a half years old. So I had to do something. So I do carry it around and I also carry around a, a plug that goes into the wall. Even so, I-, I use the battery to help me turn it off occasionally, mm-hmm. to, you know, so I can focus on other things. So I know I can have access once it gets to that point, but I try to play with that. In order to detach a little bit. And I don't, yeah. think, I don't think that at the access and the internet and the technology is the problem. I'm definitely the problem. <laughs> I definitely don't want to know too much of what's going on all the time. So I, I know it's me. <laughs> but I think it's also built to be addictive. I don't oh, know course. that
0: we all yeah. have that much say in it. I mean, these companies are smart.
1: They know about human behavior. They're so. incredibly smart. There's an amazing video that I found a while ago where this man who used to work for the ethics committee or something for some big company, some big mobile company, and he was talking about the different ways that they set it up to be addictive. And one is, you know how you can pull down Mm -hmm. to refresh on some devices? He said that was intentionally like a slot machine. Isn't that so weird? Yeah. Oh, it's amazing video. I'll, listeners, I'll put it okay. in the show notes and Adele, I'll send it to you. But I was just like, what? I felt so... Uh, that's when I turned off most of my notifications is that after that video, I was like, yeah. I need a little more control. I'm not detaching. I don't think it's... Yeah. I still have a say in this. I'm still a responsible yeah. person, yeah. I hope. So, <laughs> but it was an amazing video to watch because he went through like step by step, the different visual things they intentionally put it you put in there yeah. to keep you yeah, on your phone. Yeah. But yeah, but there's still so much good stuff on there that it's like ah, it's still out. I I like, am resisting, <laughs> and I feel like I will
0: resist for a long time. the The whole smart home thing, like the Google Home or whatever, and the Echo yeah. or whatever. I'm like, yeah, no, that thing yeah. is listening to me all the time, and it ha- it's just that's creepy. It is. It is.
1: And someone who lives in China and hears North Americans talk about how awful it is of the surveillance culture in China. And I'm like, yeah, but you guys have Alexa. You're paying yeah, to have people listen to you all the time. Like, I I know it's a known that yeah. I watched and, and heard. That's part of the safety of being here. But y'all are paying, yeah. and I think a lot of money, to put it in your house and then be worried about surveillance. Yeah, I know, <laughs> I know.
0: I, I feel like... A lot of people are like, well, I'm not doing anything that I'm ashamed of or that I should be worried about, so I don't really care. But I don't know. That just seems weird to me. I turn off the Hey Siri thing on my phone, so I can't mm-hmm. say Hey Siri yeah. or, or Hey Google or whatever what it is for Android. Yeah. I just, yeah. it doesn't need to always be listening. People are like, oh, I it's not always me. listening to you. It only turns on if you say Hey Siri. I'm like, in order to hear yeah. the Hey Siri, it's listening to me.
1: That's absolutely not true. So, did engineering uh ish business engineering at university for my bachelor's and one of my professors probably the best thing i got out of my entire uh, bachelor's degree was he was just like look assume that everything you do online is not private he had some government contracts in addition to his teaching work and he's like every time i do something on those contracts i unplug my dsl cable i plug in my usb i work on stuff and then i unplug one and i plug the other end because i know nothing is truly private on the internet people can hack into varying layers of things and blah 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 and this is like in 2000 and i'm just looking at him like i don't even have great access to the internet yet yeah. like how do you have even have that good <laughs> like, I'm, like you have wow, yeah. okay you know but still using a phone line and the free aol discs mm. like i was just kind of impressed by that then but the more technology has gone on the more i think about what he said and i'm like nothing is truly yours mm-hmm. if you're putting it mm-hmm. on there yeah online. How was the internet in Ethiopia? Was it fast, slow, dial-up, DSL in 2008? I don't remember. Remember. I
0: had a BlackBerry and I know that that worked fairly well. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the internet was okay. You know, Addis was of all of the possible places I could have randomly been assigned to because again, this even this assignment. So a lot of things have happened in my life where it's just like, very random. Me ending up in DC is one example, but me ending up in, D- in Ethiopia is another. I was not supposed to be there. I was just going to manage the project from the home office, which is what I had done for a lot of projects before. And yeah. then the person who was supposed to manage the project on the ground in Ethiopia actually quit the day that we actually got the contract. And they Whoa. were like, a, and actually, I they were like, Adela, I was supposed to go to Ethiopia for three weeks with somebody else with this person to start the Mm -hmm. project up and then I was going to come home Um, they ended up sending somebody else in her place who had more experience to like start the project up because it is really Mm -hmm. like starting a new business in a developing country it's very I don't know I would never have been able to do it so they sent somebody with me and then halfway through my stint there for the three weeks they called me and they're like we're going to need you to stay for about a year is that okay and I was (gasps) like what (laughs) what (laughs) <laughs> no. Tiny Jane. <laughs> yeah. You know. I almost said no. I I really did. I mean, it was, I I wasn't, I don't know. It was really no notice and I was already there yeah. and I didn't even have the things that I needed to stay for a year right. if, I, if I wanted to. So I came back for some time for a couple of weeks just to kind of sort mm-hmm. things through and get ready to go for a year. And then I left again. But all that to say, I was lucky in that Ethiopia or Addis in particular is an mm-hmm. easy place to be. A lot of amenities. The weather is fantastic. Mm-hmm. I know everybody's like, really? What? Because they think Ethiopia, they think drought. But Addis is the third highest capital in the entire world. I think is the statistic, and so it's at Addis mm-hmm. itself is very high up, and so the temperature is very. It's like seventy degrees year round. Oh, we get a there was a rainy season, but still yeah. seventy degrees. Yeah. And it was amazing. I think their city motto is 13 months of sunshine or something like that. So, and then like (gasps) the food.
1: It's over 7,000. It's almost 8,000 feet. Mm -hmm. I did not realize. Yeah.
0: So no malaria, which is, you know, a huge problem when you're traveling for extended periods of time because you have to take something every day or every week. And sometimes those drugs cause major problems. So I didn't even have to take malaria meds. Um, no. cause mosquitoes don't go that high up. And I, no, it was like don't. amazing. It was really a fantastic place to oh be. Oh my gosh. But it's a pretty Western city. There's a lot of Western mm-hmm. amenities, amazing Italian food. Very oddly, it was yeah. occupied by Italians at one point. And the coffee. The coffee is fantastic. <laughs> yeah. So it was, I, yeah. I don't have horrible, um, uh, memories of the internet. The thing that right. I remember very specifically is the power outages,
1: right? Which yeah, obviously affects sense. the internet. So it does, but if the power is on and the internet's working, that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Yeah, <laughs> I
0: don't. I yeah. don't. I didn't have many terrible issues with it. So
1: yeah. Did you change anything you were doing online when you moved there? Did you start using any? apps or going to any site that you weren't using before you moved there
0: I don't think so I mean I was posting on Facebook and then mm-hmm. I was still sending emails I was doing a lot of emailing because I remember sending I don't know if you did this when you traveled back in the day but I would send newsletters but like just you know quote yeah. unquote newsletters not MailChimp newsletters. Yeah. they were like just emails to mass yeah. emails right with yep. this is what I did this week or whatever. <laughs> so funny. As if like anybody really cared at the time. I don't know. It was a different, it was a different they, time. They did. Did
1: Oh, I'm sure I they know. did. They loved it. People love that stuff. It was, it was fun blogs, to write. Was it fun to write for yeah. you? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think blogs were
0: out obviously then but it wasn't like i didn't find the need to start a blog at that point because it was really just mm-hmm. going to be about this very specific thing so i just used mass emails as the way to kind of let yeah. people know what i was doing so i still have those. Wait,
1: so how long did you do those for a year uh, mass emails for yeah for the whole year mm-hmm. wow
0: yeah i just but i mean you not still every week yeah i do emails? i do
1: no way yeah yeah it's fun to read it have you ever repurposed them for, to, for anything to put them back online? No. Well, they weren't really online. They, they were, were in the email. Yeah. yeah.
0: I mean, I basically just captured all of them and put them in a Word document and have it somewhere on my hard drives. And they're fun for me to read through. I don't know that they would be super fun for anybody else to read through, even the people who got them already. I mean, it had some funny, you know, moments that I would and I didn't do it every week or anything like that. I think over the course of the year or whatever ten months I was there, I think I sent maybe five emails, and they were longer and they were a bit uh, more. Okay. Not yeah. just yesterday. I went. I woke up at seven o'clock and then went. You know, because a lot of the time it was like really not that interesting. It was the same old. I was going to work or whatever. So
1: were you sending those? emails to like one person and they said hey you should send this to more people this is really interesting like how'd that no I think I had done
0: this before I had done it when I went on previous trips and would just send it Mm -hmm. out to everybody who I thought might care and just continued doing it so I did I have them from Malawi to I did a two or three week trip to Malawi and have I think the emails I sent. If not, it's just a journal. I don't know. Yeah. So I think I was just sending emails whenever I did any one of any of my trips. Mm-hmm. And I, I've been a traveler yeah. since God since late nineties. And I just every right. year I would go somewhere. So
1: right, right. Do you remember reading any of the like similar emails like this from anybody else that was traveling and sent yeah. you?
0: Yeah. I even saved some of them. I started like a travel folder, and just oh, that's cool every yeah. time i'd read them i'm like this is fun it'd be fun to i actually had a thought at one point that it'd be fun to take everybody's not just mine mm-hmm. but all of yeah. my friends and put it into some sort yeah. of book that i don't know just all of the places that people in a little network went to and the experiences that they had.
1: yeah yeah that would yeah, be very yeah i have to go cool. back and look at them are you th- yeah Oh, a book in the making. (laughs) Listeners, watch (laughs) out. (laughs) Like most people have like one social media that's their main one. When you were in Ethiopia, was that your main one? Yeah, uh,
0: yeah. I mean, I would say that my personal use of social media at this point in my life Mm -hmm. almost 100% revolves around my like podcast brunch So my project... If I didn't have a project, I really don't know how much I'd be using. I definitely don't think I'd be on Twitter. I find it overwhelming and just hard to manage. Yeah, I think. It
1: takes a while to curate I, Twitter. It definitely definitely does.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I'm definitely not a power user. And the only reason I'm on Twitter is for 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 podcast brunch club. Sure. Although now that I think about it, I do remember a friend of mine in Ethiopia being on Twitter mm-hmm. and talking about it. And so I think it was a thing then. It probably
1: was. I I think and probably for a couple years at that point. 2 seconds away from getting this infographic. So Twitter was 2006. So just just before, so it was at the beginning, and that's when I when I joined I joined Twitter very accidentally, very early on. So it was easier to kind of find a space in it because it wasn't so crowded yeah. yet. Whereas yeah. if I were to join Twitter now, I think I'd be like kind of like me on Pinterest now. I just kind of log on and go. I really should get, kind of get over there because there's a lot of stuff like in the. I have one language podcast and there's a lot of Mandarin Chinese language learning stuff in there. And I'm like, I'd really like to dig into that audience. I'd like to talk to them. But I just kind of log on and just go, oh, my God, there's so much. There's so much here.
0: <laughs> it's funny. I don't know that a lot of people think of Pinterest as a social media platform. I could see it oh, both ways. What,
1: what I, else is it? Is it just a website?
0: I think of it as a public bookmarks type oh, of yeah. thing. Yeah yeah, 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 So, like, I just use it personally to bookmark things that I want to bookmark. Gotcha. And then other people might follow me because they think that what I bookmark is interesting.
1: Oh, interesting. Yeah. So in that
0: way, I guess it is social. Yeah. I don't know that it's... But it's very, very different than the other ones. You're right. Yeah.
1: It's not posts. It's more of a... Yeah.
0: yeah. And I tried it. Honestly, I tried doing a little bit with Podcast Brunch Club on Pinterest. Yeah. I don't know that it's...
1: I think because it is so different maneuvering, it is so different that that's part of my hesitation is it's not just like a different kind of post. It's very, very different. Yeah. And I just... It's not
0: conversational. You're not starting to have conversations on Pinterest. Oh, gosh. Yeah, no,
1: that might be more of it. Yeah, you've hit that on the head. Uh, Although that's the extent that I can speak of it because I literally just go on there and go, ah, and leave. Same thing with Tumblr. It's almost like Google.
0: It's just a different version of searching for things. So if you're looking for something that... It's just a visual place to find things i wonder
1: if that's why like facebook and twitter and instagram have taken off more because of that interaction thing that you were just Mm -hmm. talking about i wonder if that's why it probably is and
0: i yeah yeah i think i could see uh, instagram and pinterest being a little bit rival like having a rivalry Mm. relationship just because they're both visual very visual that's true 90 percent visual i mean i know Twitter and Facebook have yeah. the visual aspect, but that's not no, the primary it's not, thing. No, it's not. Yeah. Twitter's so. – oh, not
1: Twitter. Uh, Instagram feels easier visually. I can be lazier on it and yeah. just kind of laugh and keep scrolling. Yeah.
0: It's a little bit more 3D. It's hard to mention. Pinterest. I've never actually used their app. Yeah. I know. I, I missed the old good old days when it was just Facebook.
1: It's hard. Social media is hard. You know what's not hard? Liking the Writer and Geek podcast. I want to read you something from their website. We aim to empower you by making you knowledgeable about things you would never research on otherwise. Like seriously, who would spend hours researching the history of toothbrushes? Right? Vishnu and Shankar are two brothers. I listen for their connection and I listen for their humor.
2: Did you know in the 20th century, people used to think that smoking is good for health? Did you know that coffee culture started in the Middle East as opposed to the West? The per capita consumption of ice cream in the US is 23 liters every year. And it's possible to 3D print a pizza as demonstrated by NASA in 2013. You could easily google these, but you wouldn't because you're lazy. Welcome to Writer and Geek Show and we are your hosts Vishnu and Shankar. Every week we bring you the most interesting yet googleable facts to empower you by making you knowledgeable about things you would never research on. You can Listen to us on your favorite podcasting app or you can go to our website, writerandgeek.com.
1: give you 3 episodes to start with and I'm going to do this out of order because that's how my brain works. Episode 51 is ice cream, episode 41 is coffee and I realize as I'm reading this out that apparently I'm a little hungry right now. <laughs> and I don't always listen to the episode 0 where podcasters talk about the beginning of their projects. But I definitely did for them. And for them, that's episode zero, zero, zero. Welcome to the show. And I think it's a really good origin story. I think it's really good, really interesting, really heartwarming. And of course, very funny. They have a connection to curiosity. That is one of the reasons that I wanted them to be in your ears during this podcast episode. Let's get back to Adela and her virtual life and what she listens to. I was on Facebook early and then I went off oh I want to say before 2010 oh wow and then I was off until about two or three months ago like you were mentioning TMI too much information it seemed too much and people would friend me and then if they were new people in my life I would know too much about them too fast and if they were people I hadn't talked to for a decade or two because I was that old when I joined then I would suddenly be caught up but not because we had chatted but just because I could see stuff on their account and it felt like false friendships to me
0: yeah i'm I'm pretty picky about who I friend.
1: That's the thing at the beginning. It wasn't as easy. They didn't have the layers mm-hmm. of friendships and the layers of of uh who could see what kind mm-hmm. of things. so it was just all or nothing and I was like, I don't want all mm-hmm. no. <laughs> it's too much. It's too mm-hmm. much. You heard about Twitter when you were there. Instagram. when the heck did that sucker come in two thousand ten That's a pretty late comer so that was not even in existence in Ethiopia
0: yeah and I'm still not great on Instagram like I don't do anything on Instagram personally like I mean if you look at my personal Instagram first of all I'm also private about that I don't accept Mm -hmm. first of all it's a a private Instagram feed for my personal and I don't accept followers that I don't know I just don't want people seeing every photo and I don't even post that many photos but but obviously for podcast brunch club I'm on there I actually don't manage my Instagram account for Podcast Brunch Club.
1: Look at you delegate. (laughs) That's awesome.
0: I know. I was very lucky that one of the members in Minneapolis reached out and I was just doing such bad, not bad stuff, but I was just like such a newbie on on Instagram that I was just doing stupid things, like just the same old photos, same types of photos, really not very visually interesting. And I just didn't have the bandwidth to actually like figure out how to do it or whatever. She was like, I noticed, you know, that, you know, you're posting a lot of photos of the groups, but I think we could like the podcast brunch club could be so much more. And would you want help? And I was like, Absolutely, take it. Oh my, yeah, God, that's she brilliant. was. She's a godsend. That is brilliant, Pia Piscatelli, and oh. and give her a shout out. Yay! Yeah. Thank
1: you, Pia. And it is awesome. I didn't realize that you weren't doing it, but I was hoping with all that you had on your plate yeah. that that was that was somebody that was helping. Yeah. So yay, that's amazing. And and kudos to you for it. You know, saying you know that's not where I mm-hmm. need to put my energy into this project and having somebody else do it. That's not easy.
0: Yeah. No.
1: Well, I. I was lucky in that she reached out to me. Yeah. I didn't. But you said yes and that's hard. I, to give up oh that control.
0: No, but, if somebody yeah. came to me right now and said that they wanted to take over my Twitter, I'd be like, "Here
1: you go." <laughs> there you go, listener. You you're a fan it. of Podcast yeah. Brunch Coat. Anybody want to
0: take over <laughs> Podcast Brunch Coat Twitter?
1: You can Well, yeah. Give me a call. Yeah. See, I'm the lazy person. I got, well, Lazy and I got blocked out of Twitter a few t- times too many last year, so a lot of my Twitter Why? posts. I guess the firewall fought with Twitter and, oh, and I lost. I see. Yeah, and I, yeah, they fought and I lost. So, um, so I just started using the function within Instagram to post to Twitter and Facebook, which is not ideal because uh, you have to go yeah. from from Twitter to Instagram. But I literally couldn't get in for weeks on end, multiple times, and I was like, Meh. Yeah. so it was a workaround, and then I just got lazy. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I was like, you know, honestly, Twitter was great for me in the beginning mm-hmm. when I didn't, I didn't when I kind of didn't know what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And I actually met a lot of people through Twitter, yeah. a lot of people through Twitter. Yeah. So I don't want to, you know, like, I don't. I like Twitter and it it's, has served mm-hmm. me well. I could probably do more on it. But
1: it takes time.
0: Yeah, it just takes time. It takes time. Takes it takes time. I do find that folks
1: are a bit more loyal on Twitter, whereas Instagram people will won't stay with you as long because they really want more of the flash. But also the visualness of Instagram is so cool. I don't know or yeah. do stories, but I am aware they exist. And sometimes I click on things in the feed that turn into stories. But I'm very, yeah. very ignorant about all the functions because there's yeah, so I many things it. and it changes all the time. I know. You <laughs> know,
0: and they're all, they are like sort of copying off each other, right? Because Facebook oh, yeah. has stories but too.
1: That happens in any medium.
0: One thing we didn't talk about, and I'd be curious yeah. if you have any experience on this, is Reddit.
1: Oh, man. Reddit, medium. What are some of the other ones? Uh, There's a whole bunch of ones that I keep thinking, oh, I should probably go check that out. And I go there for a second, sort of like Pinterest. I go there for a second, see that it's not the same kind of posting experience. and go, I'll come back to this later. Yeah. So what about you?
0: Yeah. So again, would never have gone on Reddit had it not been for Podcast Brunch Club. Mm -hmm. But that has been a goldmine for Podcast Brunch Club in terms of getting members. Because it's essentially like a really old school. I mean, if you just think about what, what you were saying, like Lonely Planet had their discussion yeah. boards. Yeah. It's a discussion board. It's like a really very simple, that's the, it's a pretty simple concept mm-hmm. of what Reddit is. There's, a, there's some rules and weird things like upvoting and downvoting or whatever. Yeah. It's not that hard to figure it out, but like it really is just a place to discuss things, post things. There's a podcasters. subreddit and so each each subreddit is kind of like its own little community and there are subreddits that are designated by reddit Mm -hmm. like a lot of the city subreddits you know chicago subreddit shanghai subreddit whatever but then if you have one that you want to start like i wanted well i didn't want to start one but again another member in podcast punch club wanted to start a sub Reddit for Podcast Brunch Club you can start a subreddit for Podcast Brunch Club
1: is there one? yeah there is you have one there? Mm -hmm. really? yeah it's not super active okay, but it's fun
0: I mean go there you know for anybody who's out there who wants to kind of test out the
1: waters we won't bite your head off i want to check that out i do find that when i when i kind of follow examples first then i'm likely to yeah. start my own or join others or yeah start engaging. or if you
0: at least know the people there and you're not as worried about making mistakes yeah. or like making uh, some sort of yeah. internet. yeah I'm, re- I'm not really that
1: careful enough to do that i i kind of dive in make tons of mistakes yeah. alienate people and then keep going anyway Whatever. that's fine
0: i mean that's the best way to learn i'm convinced.
1: That's really cool. I'm going to join them.
0: It it has actually brought a lot of members into Podcast Brunch Club. You know, I could see you using it or even anybody in the expat community because I go to a lot of city subreddits. I've seen a lot of people being like, I'm coming to town for three days. Anybody want to meet up for a beer? Or I'm coming in for to town for three days. What's the best things to do or see? Or it's a good place to just scroll through and see what people are posting about or even in your own city a way to kind of keep up with what's going on you know i could go onto chicago subreddit and be like what is going on at division and you know i don't know orleans like what is the development going on anybody know so yeah it's a discussion board it's like really sort of old school discussion board. I love it because it's so simple. It's not super complicated. It's very linear too. just
1: realize as I'm trying to get on the podcast branch club one mm-hmm. uh, sub, subreddit mm-hmm. one, the terminology subreddit. Mm-hmm. I don't understand. Mm-hmm. Two, it. <laughs> and I'm not an untechnical person. Two is I've heard some people say people can get very pedantic in the boards mm-hmm. and you can get flagged very easily.
0: I am like you. I just like rolled in, into Reddit and just started posting yeah. willy-nilly. And some people yelled at me and I was like, okay, whatever. There are rules within each subreddit. Each subreddit right. has its own... Think of it like a Facebook group that has its own rules. Like Each Facebook group has a very specific sort of culture and set of rules. And there's a way to find right. those rules and read that. Subreddit, let me just explain. Subreddit is just like the community that you're... Oh, so okay. it's just... Like, oh, podcast brunch club Facebook group. It's podcast brunch club yeah. subreddit. Um, okay. so it's just the, the community and they have a subreddit for almost, I swear to God, almost everything that you could possibly have imagined.
1: And that's what I'm hitting right now is I'm looking for the main podcast brunch club subreddit and I'm finding all of the, oh, local my posts. Ones. Is there a main one? Yeah.
0: So the way to find a subreddit is you go to reddit.com <sighs> slash r yeah. uh-huh. slash podcast brunch club that like the Chicago subreddit. It's going to be like reddit.com there slash yeah. r slash Chicago. Shanghai is probably going to be reddit.com slash yeah. r slash Shanghai. Yeah. Let me see if I can see when I first joined. October 16th, 2016.
1: Oh, so that's fairly recent.
0: Yeah. I was trying to figure out how to get into communities that, you know, were oriented around a city that we were starting a podcast brunch club in. And I wanted to let those people know, I go in there, and I posted. And like I said, sometimes people yelled at me because it is seen sometimes as spam or self promotion or whatever. And they downvote me or they yell at me or sometimes even the moderator will send me a message being like, we deleted your post because this violates our rules. I'm like, okay, that's fine. Noted. I guess I'll find another way. But most of the time, I would say 90% of 95% of the time, people like love it. And they're like, this is so cool. And they respond. And sometimes people respond with funny, funny responses. Like I just posted one for Edmonton. Somebody was like, so do you spend the whole, you know, meeting talking about MeUndies or whatever, you know, like the stupid ads? That <laughs> that they play
1: no it's hello fresh people yeah and i I responded like oh no we
0: alternate between bombas Meundis, and casper
1: (laughs) oh right casper who could forget casper yeah oh my gosh yeah yeah yeah. i like to kind of group together trends and make really highfalutin statements about how an expat online this changed over time and it sounds like when you started podcast bunch club is when you did more with people you didn't know online, whereas before that you were mostly using online tools in their varying forms to talk to people you already knew and to keep in touch and to do that.
0: It's very succinct way of summarizing my experience with the internet.
1: Okay. And since that kind of expanding out to people you don't know, have you had any challenging experiences or surprising experiences from folks? I don't just mean share the worst thing that's ever happened. I mean, it could be good surprising. Yeah.
0: I mean, I was honestly shocked as all get out that I created true friendships through Twitter I mean, who would have thunk it? Like, what? You know, I mean, I think that anybody who's on Twitter and using it right knows that that's exactly why they're on it. I'm not on Twitter to start Twitter fights with random strangers. But I am really completely shocked that Twitter has, I don't know, somehow facilitated me making actual friendships. And that's the shocking thing about It for me I would say that was that's a good thing that I experienced
1: and that's one of the reasons I I kind of put my my boxing gloves up when people start to blame technology is because I've had that experience through many different editions of the internet on on many different kinds of uh, platforms and I yeah I've had I've had jerks too and the more the more followers I get on Instagram the more hey beautiful I get and I'm like dude I'm almost 50 and not so thin. Mm. <laughs> so go away. This should not be happening. Let's just say fat. I'm in China. People call people fat all the time. Like I've look, seen you. You are not very fat. chunky, and I'm very old, <laughs> and my hair is very frizzy and unkept and I cannot get the right color. And there's so much physically that could be different. But more importantly, why? Why are creeps uh. still coming on to me? But. There's much, much more of the yeah. cool stuff that's happening, of the good connections, the connections that turn into like meeting you in Rome yeah. and those kinds of things, where where there's people I meet in yeah. real life, where I feel like I meet them online. Yeah, I
0: mean, hey, look, I would not have like I would not have been able to start sixty chapters of podcast brunch club all over the world had it not been for the internet. So like, the internet is not my enemy. I feel like just like any tool that exists in the history of humankind, any tool can be used for good or ill. Like a hammer could be used to put a house together and also could be used to murder somebody. So it's, you know, it's not, it's, it's not good or bad. There is definitely shades of gray
1: and I realize now far too into the interview we haven't touched on the origin story of podcast brand club yeah i was
0: sort of recovering from a surgery and was really not in a good place mentally and yeah. was finding my like finding that the only thing that actually got my head my brain sort of not focused on me and all of my problems quote unquote problems cuz They were sort of really hard for me to deal with, but like in the grand scheme of things, not that bad. I found myself listening to a lot of podcasts and that was the only thing that could get me out of my head. TV was not doing it. Reading was not doing it. Even talking to friends was not doing it because I would just find myself telling them all of my sob story and blah, blah, blah. So, So yeah, podcasts were sort of my savior for a while and I had some friends come over to visit me and bring me dinner and we were this was i don't know a few months into my the whole thing and um i started talking to a friend and as you do when you're a podcast listener said something like oh i heard on this podcast you know fill in the blank whatever and she was like oh i heard that podcast it was so good oh my god did you listen to this podcast and i said no i i have to subscribe to that now and it just became this whole frenzy of us sharing you know, our reactions to things that we listen to that were the same recommendations of things to subscribe to. And I was like, Oh yeah, this actually should be a thing. Why does this not exist? Because this is exactly why book clubs exist because book reading is solitary. Mm-hmm. And so book clubs make book reading less solitary. So podcast listening mm-hmm. is solitary. There needs to be a podcast club. And so I talked to her and I was like, we should do this. Do you want to do this? And she was like, yeah, I want to do this. So we just got like friends and friends of friends together. And my first international chapter was because I was talking to a friend I had met in Ethiopia and was living in Geneva at the time. She is still living in Geneva, Switzerland. And she and I were touching base. And I was like, so I'm doing this thing with my friends, and I and I think it'd be fun to see if other people wanted to do it. She's like, I love that idea. I want to do it. So I was like, you could be my first international chapter, or my first chap chapter, not international. She's like, okay. So she started it, and then I was like, yeah, okay. So now it's a thing. So I guess I should probably put a website out there, and I started a website, and I started Twitter, and I start, you know, I started
1: doing the whole thing, and. Yeah, now we have 60 chapters on six continents. So. That's just amazing. And this is still not your yeah. full-time job. This is in addition oh, to your full-time yeah. job, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: But I'm mm-hmm. really, really, really lucky. Mm-hmm. Like, the only thing that keeps me going with Podcast Brunch Club, it's not the concept of Podcast Brunch Club. It's not the podcasts. It's the people. I would not have met you if I didn't start Podcast Brunch Club. I have one, two, three, four, five people in the world outside of my chapter leaders mm-hmm. who lead the 60 chapters. So that's 60 people in the world who are helping me. But I also have five people outside of those 60 that help me do various things like Instagram, Reddit, audio editing, podcast hosting, writing articles, and I'm always looking for more help. And, and the thing about it is that like, that's what I feel like at the end of the day it is, is it's a community, yeah. a community mm-hmm. of people who love podcasts. Okay. That's one thing, but most of them really like learning new things because a lot of the podcasts we listen to are topical and nonfiction and things that maybe you not wouldn't have thought about otherwise. So it's just a community of people around the world who like to learn new things, like to learn those new things through podcasts, and like to talk to strangers about it, you know, because you end up getting together in person in cities all over the world to talk to strangers, essentially, about it. So
1: yeah, hey I ha- I have to admit a dirty secret. Uh, prior to podcast brunch club like about 2 years ago, I got to the point where it was just so exhausting that people would tune me out when mm-hmm. I'd say I heard like oh I heard this on the podcast or they would discount the information even if it came from an incredibly reputable mm-hmm. news source that they would respect if it were in print Mm -hmm. they didn't if it was in podcast so i got so sick of that that i started saying oh i've read blah 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 you know so i was just doing that and then when i saw people in front of me at podcast brunch club saying things and listening to each other about podcasts i was like you know this has to stop now (laughs) i'm gonna take it i'm gonna take one for the team and i'm gonna just start (laughs) i love that you know i heard this on a podcast and when people roll their eyes i'm just gonna keep talking i'm like gonna i'm gonna ignore that because y'all are just behind the curve There's so much good content. There's so much reliable, (laughs) interesting learner, like, oh, what is it called? And edutainment-ish kind of content out there. That's so amazing.
0: Yeah. There's a level of empathy that you have, I think, when you're listening to somebody's voice that you might not, if you were watching them say the exact same thing. There's just, I don't know, there's just something about it that is different.
1: It is. It is very different. If you were able to delegate most of the things with Podcast Brunch Club, is there any space online you'd want to stay? And that's is—that's Adela. You always know that's going to be you talking to us. Mm.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's probably the Facebook group. I feel more myself there. And I feel so bad about that because I think a lot of people aren't on Facebook anymore. They're either... Like a lot of people in China I know are not on Facebook and it's because of the great firewall, but
1: there are devices that help us get on. So it's not as inaccessible as some people think. Yeah. So,
0: yeah, yeah, no, but I mean, that's one reason, right? That's one obstacle or hurdle. But the other reason is that I think a lot of people are just sick of Facebook and annoyed with them and are just sort of making their, you know, stand and are not on it or they, you know, don't. That whatever, for whatever reason, they're just not on it. That's why I want to be everywhere. I mean, I, I go on to Instagram and I check in all the time, but I just don't. I'm not one of the one making the posts as much. I try to interact on Podcast Brunch Club as myself. But I will say that there's a new platform out there that has reached out to me called Vibely. It's V-I-B-E-L-Y and they're a startup. And the founder reached out to me because she, I guess, was doing her research and came across podcast brunch club and she's like you know we're building this platform we've got like our it's i think it's venture capitalist funded and they Mm -hmm. have i think the co-founder of meetup is one of their venture capitalists and the co-founder of youtube is also one of them and they're building out a platform that's exactly for groups like ours like that uh is a global organization that has local Meetups and groups that actually Mm -hmm. meet up in person. It's sort of like, mm -hmm. it's sort of like meetup, but a more globally conscious meetup that sort of has this global organization ability around it. And then also kind of integrates a little bit of slack, I think, ability to chat within the platform on certain topic areas. So they've accepted us into their early access program. So nice. I'm looking forward to trying that out. And I'm sure your expats mm-hmm. have a lot of experience with Meetup in terms mm-hmm. of finding ways, because that's what it's all about, right? Like the internet yeah. is the internet, that's fine. But like, we've got to come out from behind our screens and our keyboards yes. and our microphones and our, you know, like stop, you know, the smartphone hunch or whatever. <laughs> you know. We're all going to end up yeah. with terrible neck pain soon and actually meet me in person and so that's where I think the cool that's where the internet is a huge positive tool Mm -hmm. that it allows people to actually meet in person exactly yeah and yeah
1: so yeah I'm, I'm a terrible person online because when people in my city follow me and constantly comment and never meet up to do anything at any point I'm like I lose interest I'm like what are you doing we, yeah I mean sure. I know I know some places that I live are rather big cities. It's hard to get around our schedules are hectic, but never right It's like why what no huh it's It's know. confusing to me because to me, it's the internet all the way from a o l disk's current version that has too many things on it is has always been a place to learn and to meet people to meet in person. yeah to me it's always been about the connections, and hopefully to learn from them in person. <laughs> I yeah. love learning. But let's go back to Ethiopia one more time. Okay. When you transitioned from Ethiopia, back to Chicago, do you remember any change in your online habits? And at this point, it could involve... Wait, when did you say that you got the first iPhone?
0: It would have been the end of 2009.
1: Okay, so you already had the iPhone. So did you notice any change in your online behavior at that point when you came back home.
0: No, I got the iPhone right when I came back from Ethiopia. So that was a game changer. Yeah. So there was a huge change in my internet behavior once I got the the iPhone and that hap- that happened to coincide with when I came back from Ethiopia.
1: Murky murky water. We can't tear those two apart then cuz getting an iPhone would definitely blow open a lot of stuff.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I was a heavy BlackBerry user before that just because I got one for work and it, that was a game changer in and of itself, but No, the iPhone changed everything. But yeah, I don't know that it would have been because of Ethiopia or anything. I yeah, I I, I would have a hard time picking that apart.
1: And when did Podcast Brunch Club start? What year was that?
0: 2015 was when the Chicago chapter started meeting up. 2016 is when we had our first chapter.
1: Okay. So we've got five, we, (laughs) by we, I mean our analysis. We have five (laughs) years between when you returned to the U.S. and when Podcast Branch Club started. In that time, were you still using all of the new things on your iPhone for keeping in touch with people you already knew? Or were you already starting to branch out and make connections with other folks? No, still just people. you. Yeah,
0: I was very much about my own personal network that's what I wanted. And it's not that I that's not what I wanted. It's that, like I didn't have that much of a reason to interact with outside of it. I've always been the type of person who liked the idea of a project. I just didn't find one that worked for me until 2015. I I didn't, I didn't really actively try to find one either before that. It just sort of came to me and hit me. But
1: Yeah. No, the internet's a create-your-own-adventure thing. There's no judgment on what you do with it. It's, it's mm-hmm. There's so much stuff yeah. available out there.
0: I did start a blog when I was in Ethiopia thinking I was going to keep it up, and I didn't. Like That just seemed too, like too much work, which is so crazy because... It was the same as what I would have emailed everybody. But I feel like a blog you had to keep up with much more than I could send an email every few months and it wouldn't have been a big deal. But you can't post a blog post every few months. It's just sort of...
1: Yeah, you can, but it really loses. Yeah. uh, The audience doesn't generally keep up with that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They're pretty, pretty fickle folks. Here's the thing. I think you having that very private internet before Podcast Bunch Club actually served you well when you did the pod the adela internet and the podcast brunch club one i think that was a natural transition for you whereas for me my stuff is still all in my stuff and i'm just now thinking oh i should splinter out and do the quote-unquote professional stuff and then my stuff because you know know. i don't know
0: i i i can see why you think that but then i look at you and i'm like but you're building out a personal brand and everybody knows you as (laughs) You know that I know that probably <laughs> the worst terminology ever, it's but tr- it's
1: true though. It's an accurate term. I just, but it's, it's yeah.
0: also like just associating you with the thing mm-hmm. that you created. Yeah. And I don't know that I have that kind of. I don't know that everybody knows that Adela created Podcast Brunch Club. They might. Everybody in Podcast Brunch Club, I don't know that everybody knows who I am. And that's, I'm totally fine with that. You know, like, I I don't need the name recognition or whatever. Do you
1: want the anonymity, not the anonymity,
0: do you want... I like it a little bit.
1: Okay. Yeah, Yeah,
0: I like it a little bit. Like, I don't know if you saw, but recently we got some press coverage in New York for our New York chapter. And I, like, both my husband and my mom saw the video clip and... You know, I had talked to the reporters, reporters, like they call you or they they email you and they're like, we're doing this segment tonight. I need an answer by like in 45 minutes. Right,
1: right, right. (laughs) And
0: somehow it all worked out. And Rebecca, our chapter leader in New York, was available and could meet up with her. And she brought somebody who regularly goes to Podcast Brunch Club so he could also be there. And the actual end product was... You know, them talking about it, talking about Podcast Brunch Club, naming mm-hmm. Podcast Brunch Club, and the reporter saying, and the founder says, blah, blah, blah. And like, my name was not mentioned. And both my husband and my mom were like, but she didn't mention your name. And I was like, that, I don't care. I don't know. I just don't care. That oh, wow. Yeah. I, I mean, it would have been nice, but it's, yeah. I just don't care. Like for me, first of all, I'm really happy that Rebecca got some visibility for what she does, too, because... She's doing a lot, you know, for the New York chapter, she's been doing this for years. And she's done a fantastic job with it. So I'm happy that she got like a little moment to shine and got to like, get some bragging rights. Like, I'm I'm thrilled about that. That makes me really happy. I'm totally fine with it. I'm so I'm a little bit okay with having that anonymity, sort of arm's length situation going on. But sometimes I wonder if I'm doing myself a disservice. the same time
1: and here's why i say no Um, from my perspective it's still growing the connections that are made in pbc are deep and um, and amazing and it's like i said it's still it's it's still growing and if it's still growing that means something's going right something's going very very right so i don't think so but i'm one i'm one person
0: (laughs) (laughs) it is what it is like i'm just i never expected it to get here anyway so yeah All of this is just gravy. Every single bit of it is gravy. So I'm not complaining.
1: That's such a good way to look at it. And it's a beautiful creative place to be because if everything depended on it, it would be a very stressful experience.
0: I feel like there's also an element of, and maybe you've experienced this, turning something you love into something that you do for work kind of kills the joy sometimes. So I don't make money or I make a little bit just to cover my costs. But if it was my full time job and it paid Mm -hmm. the bills, and then, you know, on all of it, which would be a dream. Don't get me wrong. I wouldn't turn it down if somebody offered it to me on a platter. But I also think that it would then become work and work is work and it sort of kills the joy a little bit. And I have a tendency to to ta- sometimes take things to the extreme and then kill the joy that I was like initially looking for. I don't know.
1: I've made $5 so far, so... Well, I guess my workshop would would up that, but not really much. So, yeah. <laughs> so I still I jokingly call it pod work, and I am actually finally looking at ways to monetize. I've an eight point plan that I haven't done any of, but I just I don't know if I can start delegating the stuff I don't like as I'm doing the stuff I like. I feel like that will
3: mm-hmm. negate
1: that, but I don't know. It hasn't it hasn't started. Well, I guess it started because I have an editor for some of the podcasts now, so. I guess the delegation has started Mm -hmm. and that has made space for other things, like finally understanding what the heck uh, SEO is and Mm -hmm. how to actually plan social media instead of going, oh, shoot, it's been like 20 hours. I should probably post something about the episode that just came out. So that kind of thing. So I don't know. I don't know. To be determined on my end, I don't. I don't know. Yeah, your project is infinitely bigger than mine. So I'm I'm in catch up mode.
0: Yeah, but I mean, I've done this in the past too, like not even just with Podcast friends Club. Like I remember being really into Pilates at one point and being like, I love Pilates. I'm going to become an instructor. And then so you take it to the next level. And then yeah. just by virtue of taking it to the next level, I started hating Pilates. So I killed the joy.
1: Okay. On that level, I do see what you're saying. When I first started backpacking in Europe, I tried to turn into a travel writer. And then I I started to get angry and jealous at people that were making it in the industry instead of actually just enjoying their stuff. I had to backtrack a bit because I was like, that's ridiculous. And I will say that
0: like, to bring it back a little bit to the internet, I think that there is a level to which you have to understand who and what is making you feel like, like shit about yourself. I, I'm not a big fan of like, well, I just have to get over it. And I'm going to change my behavior. Because that's way too hard. I would just rather mute yeah. that person. I've stopped listening to a number of marketing yeah. podcasts, because after I listen to him, I'm like, Oh, my God, I feel so bad about all these things I should be doing. Yeah. But I'm not. And I'm like, you know what, I'm just gonna yeah. stop listening. Because I'm probably not going to change my behavior. I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. And it's been okay so far. It's worked so far. So I'm sure I could get bigger, faster if I did all these tips and tricks that these experts are telling me. But I'm going to kill myself. And I don't want to. So I'm just going to turn you off and I'm not going yeah. to listen. And you that anymore.
1: kind of self-reflective, how, you know, kind of checking in with yourself as you're using stuff online is something that I feel like we should be teaching the next generation before we start handing them iPads. And I'm not sure that we are because I'm not sure everything's exploded so fast.
0: Yeah. Well, because iPads are being given to five-year-olds.
1: Or less.
0: More or less, like a three-year-old because my, yeah, my new system. But I season. don't even
1: think the people that are handing them to the kids are even thinking, what am I doing? How is it making me feel? Is this... Mm -mm. Not is it always a productive action, but am I feeling better about life versus worse when I'm doing this?
0: I have muted people on Facebook because I'm like, your life seems too perfect. And it's making me feel like crap about my life. And I'm happy for you. And that's great. But I don't need you like raining on my parade. So I have muted people because I'm like, I don't like seeing how great your life is. And that seems so fickle and small-minded, but I'm like, whatever, it's how I feel.
1: But it's true, it's true. Stevie and I talked about this. He was one of my first interviewees. He's a life coach in Hong Kong, and he was just like, we should just have honest selfies. Selfies are great. There are some points in your life when you have achieved something and you really want to go. oh, But sometimes you don't. A lot of times you don't. Mm-hmm. And so we so we both started doing like honest selfies of just this is my day. Yeah. This is okay. I can't, I couldn't do the that it, everything's fine challenge. Like he was like just just post everything's fine. Nothing's happened. Everything's okay. I couldn't do that because that felt like a waste of people's time. Yeah. But but I do consciously. Like sometimes I'll put on the lipstick and I'll like make a video real quick, but sometimes I won't. Sometimes I'll just be like, I have something to say right now. Let's go. Yeah. And this is
0: me. Yeah. This is me. Yeah. And I feel like there's a challenge in being honest with yourself about what makes you feel good and what makes you feel like bad. And somehow it seems like it should be easy to identify, but sometimes it's just not so hard yeah so like hard. yeah some of those even cooking blogs and stuff yeah. like sometimes i'm like oh it adds the word should into my vocabulary mm-hmm. more than ah! it yes should yes. be in there yes. you know the word should is kind of the worst <laughs> <laughs>
1: I've, oh gosh, I I I have a language learning space online because I was a language teacher for so long, not just because of the podcast itself, because the podcast came out of that whole experience, blah, 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 blah. But in that space, which is not a giant space online, as you could imagine, because a lot of people start learning a language and drop off. So the people that stay with it for a long time, it's, it's a relatively small space. Even in there, there are some people that I would find myself not angry, not jealous, not annoyed, just like eh yeah like i don't really feel better and i don't feel like i've learned like there was nothing that came from their post and i found myself getting annoyed that i was watching it and i had to unfollow them Mm -hmm. yeah and and it's just like yeah and there's
0: there's a guilt i think associated with it but that's why sometimes Mm -hmm. like the tools that they have within facebook or twitter to just mute them
1: you don't have to unfollow (gasps) them just mute them I, I have a question for you. This is, this is the one of the following questions because I know I've kept you for a long time, but I've reached a new level of pot, listening to podcasts where I now know people making podcasts, people I know know and people I talk to on a regular basis about podcasting. And some of their podcasts I really like and I look forward to when they come out that week. And some of them I don't ever want to listen to. Mm-hmm. Do you have those. that? Experience? Oh yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh yeah. <laughs> Oh, for what
1: sure. do Because you, you like them as a person, but yeah. you're not necessarily niche in that niche. I don't that feel niche. that
0: bad. I don't know. Yeah. I No, because I'm sorry. Everybody's time is limited, and they know yeah. that, and their time is limited, and mm-hmm. I wouldn't be mad if somebody that I know and likes me didn't listen to my podcast, and I just right. don't have time to listen to podcasts that don't add... I don't know. I don't feel bad. I just, I feel like maybe with age, I've also been like, you know, I just don't care anymore. I don't care what people think. (laughs) I don't care what I look like. There's a freedom in it that Mm -hmm. is really nice, though. Yeah. And that, yeah, I could be more honest. I'm like
1: that on social media. I'm very methodical, like, deal with it. I either want or don't want to follow you on whatever platform. But because this is relatively new for me to actually know the people behind the mic, I find it a little bit uncomfortable to talk to them so much without mentioning their latest episode or yeah no. I just don't mention okay their I need latest to get episode. there
0: yeah 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 I just I mean it's oftentimes like not I'm not their audience
1: you know what I mean that's true
0: yeah I'm just not and they know it
1: yeah and I don't think it's them I think it's definitely me yeah, They're not asking, hey, did you listen? Did you listen? No, yeah. nobody's doing that. I think yeah. they all know how many choices we have and how niched out podcasts are. But it's completely my thing. Yeah. And it will go away. It will naturally go away. Yeah. Uh, but I just I was just like, wow, this is the new thing that never happened that I mm. never anticipated happening. <laughs> with yeah. all this. Final question. Is there anything that you've posted online that you've gone back and removed later?
0: Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like really embarrassed by it. It was bad oh. stuff.
1: I don't even know if I should I ask you to I don't want to talk share. about it. Yeah, no, you <laughs> should Let's just leave you it shouldn't. there. It's so hard. I often think on posts, and I know you can schedule their social media planners but regular humans don't use those those are content creators so I but I often think on regular social media platforms there might need to be like kind of like a delay like or a little pop right. up before think you hit post that says you that. are you sure are you gonna are you gonna hurt anybody's feelings by this or do you really want to be like see like do you really want this to be in your stream like two years five years from now or do you want your mom to see this do you want your husband to yeah see, like, would you be comfortable with everybody in the world that can see this like some sort of remote- reminder before you hit submit
0: yeah like (laughs) this is gonna be a public post yeah yeah just to get us to think
1: it wouldn't stop us it wouldn't you know if if you hit yes i'm fine it would keep going so it's just an extra second of thought keeping in mind that folks that come on here lived overseas or are living overseas for a given stretch of time Mm -hmm. and we're kind of analyzing how their online and social media life and all that kind of stuff changed with their location what questions would you like me to ask future guests of the podcast
0: I think you're doing a great job and I think a lot of the questions that you asked are like things that I would want to know I can't think of another question but I'm I am curious about how as people travel and as people leave their I guess whatever they call quote-unquote home how much it matters to them to like keep in touch with the people that are at home but also as Mm -hmm. they come back or as they switch over to the next place Mm -hmm. as a way to keep in touch with people they met you know like i think all of us are traveling you know to see new places but to meet new Mm -hmm. people you know like it always comes back to this so same you know we're using the internet as a tool to then like meet people face to face and then maybe keep in touch with those people so that when you leave we're they are physically that you could still be in touch with them
1: feels like there's a couple of questions Mm -hmm. in there so let me clarify are you asking people which group they keep in contact with more or are you asking them is there a different way that they keep in contact with those two groups people from quote-unquote home versus
0: yeah both of those like do they you know do the email newsletter thing for people that are at home and then keep in touch with their new friends via WhatsApp or whatever or, or WeChat. How hard is it to juggle kind of like all of the relationships when everybody is in such different places and uses such different – the internet in such different ways? Like. I mean, it's definitely, I can imagine for you, I mean, you're doing it now, right? Like, yeah. the people that use yeah. app to in China are going to be probably on WeChat, and then we in the States don't use WeChat, so you have to, like, jump from platform to platform, and mm-hmm. how are you managing that? That's, like, uh, seems like a lot.
1: Yeah, it is you know? a lot, and it's, there's different, it's, like, I've got WhatsApp on my phone now. I have Line. I haven't started using it, but it's used a lot in, I, I think, Japan, is. Korea, and Thailand is a big okay. one, and I've got different apps from different places that different people are in and I've I found it even hard when we were in the U.S. for grad school to know which platform people communicate on mm-hmm.
0: and I was and that's and then, changed as so yeah, many platforms have come so on. many yeah
1: yeah and then it explodes as you go overseas do you keep with keep in touch with folks that you met in all the places you were overseas either living or traveling not as much for the people I
0: when I traveled, because I was just there for such short stints. But a couple couple people from, yeah, I made us some really good friends in Ethiopia. I made some really good friends in Ethiopia that I don't keep in touch with. And that, you know, I think about often, but just don't, we just didn't manage to connect. Either I wasn't good about it, or they weren't good about it. it actually, when we were in Italy a few mm-hmm. months ago, I saw one of my friends that I met in Ethiopia who lives there now. Yay. So it just depends on... Whether the ways that we prefer to keep in touch Mm -hmm. mesh, you know.
1: I had this crazy idea the other day because I, I have definite platform fatigue. I have for some time, even before we came back to China to two and a half years ago now, I've had platform fatigue. It's so hard to know where people are. Like everybody answers emails, right? No,
2: Mm-mm. that
1: it's not. And mm-hmm. so I want people to have an RSS feed. <laughs> mm. Like podcasts have an RSS yeah. feed. For, for Apple users, that's not going to make as much sense. But for Android, there's so many different podcast apps And once you have your RSS feed and sign your podcast, yes, I'm going to get a little bit geeky, but not much. You sign up with these different platforms, then you can be accessed on any of them just with that digital address. I kind of want people to have one of those so I could find them anywhere online. That's
0: brilliant.
1: Why hasn't (laughs) that
0: become a thing?
1: I don't know if somebody wants to take it and run with it. I just require one percent of the income. Yeah, but I'm not doing any of the damn work. No, so <laughs>
0: let's that's really take it and smart. Run. That would be amazing because oh, then be so it's like yeah. an aggregator. It would aggregate yeah. all of the social media platforms on your platform of
1: choice exactly. without taking the characteristics of that platform. Just being able to find the person. Yeah. And, and here's the biggest frustration: is when I was in Japan, I was in Japan like five or six different times for very short-term teaching contracts uh met some amazing people but at the time like starting in 2009 2010 the japanese phones were very email based but it wasn't email in the very visual gmaily way that we think of it now it was very like text text written 1990s email looking but the phone number was attached to the email address so when my students changed phone numbers They changed their email address. And so when I left the country and tried to contact them via their email, if they change phones, which people do, I couldn't reach them again. So I've lost contact with a lot of my really cool, interesting students that I want to keep up with. But they're not, I can't find them anymore. Yeah. And if they had an RSS feed.
0: (laughs) But that's like their email address. Like everybody has an email address and they have like, you know, I'm not saying that that's the RSS feed, but yeah, like, no. The email address almost made physical addresses obsolete because now it doesn't matter where people physically live. As long as you have their email address, you can find them. So what you're looking for is like that next level of one stop shop for finding people and connecting with people on the way you like to see them and the way like they like to be seen.
1: Yeah, and yeah. RS, saying RSS feed is not actually right. So it'd be like RSS equivalent, or whatever. Because I don't even know what does RSS mean. Rich Site Summary. Geez, I really didn't know that. Oh, and really simple syndication. Yeah,
0: yeah. I think so that's there'd the have to I be know. like
1: a social media equivalent three letter acronym for it, but some sort of tracker yeah. where you knew where people were even when they switched platforms. I want that to exist so desperately. Ah,
0: yeah, that's smart.
1: So yeah, yeah any tech folks there. out there? Please make it happen. Yeah, <laughs> losing touch with people annoys me. Yeah, I I want a long term. I want to see what people end up doing and where they are, how they are, how their family or family develop. developed. Like I want to see that in life, and I'm yeah. finding a lot of people dropping off.
0: Yeah, yeah, um, and I will say as a as somebody who traveled a lot but still had a home base, mm-hmm. you pick up friends as you kind of like I mean I think everybody does this regardless of how how they travel but you know you pick up friends along the way as you move through your phases of life and some of them stick and some of them don't and I think that's sort of natural and fine but yeah I mean I there's sometimes just that the reason it doesn't stick is because of that sort of platform Mm-hmm. difference like some, yeah. one person is just an email person and the other person's just a twitter person and yeah that's just not gonna work so
1: yeah yeah and it gets tricky when you have different writing systems too because a lot of my students would have english names mm-hmm. for their first name and then we'd have like a romanization of their japanese name but you can't search for people online With a romanization of their name. Right. And there's a different script. So it's like even Googling them doesn't work. Even Google Japan, I wouldn't be able to find them without knowing how to type their Japanese name. Huh. Wow. So yeah, challenges. Keeping in touch challenges. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh, Adela, seriously, this has been an amazing conversation. I knew it was going to be, which is why we pushed through, what was it, five? No, four rescheduling Mm -hmm. oh my gosh with so many technical problems each time so thank you for trudging through all of that technical stuff to get here
0: no problem i'm happy to be Mm -hmm. here thank you for inviting me
1: super excited so remind our listeners where they can find you or podcast brunch club or both yeah
0: so podcastbrunchclub.com is probably the best place to find out more about Podcast Brunch Club. Mm-hmm. Um we're on Twitter at Podcast Brunch, we're on Instagram at Podcast Brunch, Reddit, it's reddit.com slash R slash Podcast Brunch Club. I'm on Twitter at Adela Miz. That's actually not private, so like I anybody could follow me there. Yeah, I think if you want to get in touch with me by email, it's Adela, that's A D E L A at Podcast Brunch dot com.
1: Perfect. And I'll have all those links in the show notes. For all you crazy listeners, (laughs) I still can't believe people are listening. It's amazing to me. Amazing, amazing to me. Uh, No, no, not as a self-deprecation thing. I just think it's amazing how easy it is to publish podcasts these days. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's awesome.
1: Yay to that. For more Geopats podcast episodes, including the other shows that we have, which so far have included Bookish Expats, Changing Scripts, Expat Rewind, and Armchair Expat, and there will be many more coming to you in 2020 go to geopats.podbean.com or just look from us in your podcast app we're also on spotify stitcher and all of the big places if there's anywhere you are that you can't find us please let me know i'd like to get us in as many places as possible again my handle is Steph Fuccio, s-t-e-p-h-f-u-c-c-i-o literally everywhere online it's also my gmail address i welcome feedback comments and questions from you the wonderful listeners. I'm going to play sometime, Guy from the Mess of Me album. I'm going to be playing it in entirety in three, two, one.
3: I've been wasting all of my time, standing at the back of your eye, trying not to lose my mind. Yeah, when all I'll ever be is your some type guy well, I've been waiting for my moment and I've been howling at the moon Well I've been living with this torment Cause there's nothing else my heart can Time. Standing at the back of your line Trying not to like the man I am, you won't string and make me dance, oh, I can't believe the shape you got me in, all these thoughts could drive me mad.